Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone. Yesterday was a great success, and we um, got to, to invite, we invited over 2,500 uh Households to our church and uh, hundreds and possibly up to a thousand people last night filtered through here and they all were having a ha- happy time. And the purpose for that was just, you know, if you get them to come into the building and I'd say nine out of ten people last night that came were not part of this church. And so that means it uh, makes it a little easier for them to come to one of our services and hear uh, the message and to build relationships. So that's a big part of why we did what we did. And uh, to launch this series, Happy Family. You know, everyone wants a happy family, but, um, you know, that's the ideal, especially when you're young, growing up, uh, you know, and looking forward to starting a family. You want your family to be happy. Uh, but often, once we get into a family situation, we find out, wow, this is this is a little more difficult than it seems, right? <clears throat> And so I often do weddings and in uh, uh, pre-marriage counseling. And another time this shows up is actually in funerals. And you're talking with the family and discussing about some of the family dynamics. And people start telling you, as a pastor, people will say, well, we have to be careful about this because there's this. And, and I don't know how many times I've heard the statement, man, they kind of say it like, our family's just this is soap opera. Uh, because like, there's people, they don't talk to those people, and there's this breakdown, and there's this problem. And I say, you know what? Everybody's family is a soap opera. Amen. That's why soap operas are so popular, right? They're on TV because people relate to them, all right? And every family has issues buried in there, and, and even the ones that seem happy on the surface um, can be happier. And the Bible has a lot to say. So this series is all about learning some biblical truths to make our our lives and especially our family lives happier and more joyful because that's what god came jesus said uh the enemy came to steal rob uh kill and destroy but i have come to give you life and life more abundantly and uh where do we need that more and where is that more important than in our family lives so we're going to look at um some things. I'm going to start this out. <clears throat> it's going to be hard to read on that background, so we'll see how I can do this. So the question is, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? And so if you just take a minute to think about, you know, what makes you happy? If you were stranded on a uh, on an island, what was that show where uh, Tom Hanks? Castaway, right? You know, uh, and, and the whole thing about the movie. Remember, he always carried a multi-tool, right? But before he got on the plane, he he tossed it to his wife or something, and he didn't have that, multitude, that multi-tool. That, boy, if he'd had that while he was on the island, it would have made life a lot easier. Uh, but if you were on an island with no hope of rescue, what would you, what would you want to have? <coughs> and what would be the most important thing? And just think about it. <coughs> and, and you can't say uh, 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 a satellite phone. Uh, <laughs> people ask me that, I say a satellite phone. They say, no, 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 no. So there's no hope of rescue. So they'll say... <coughs> Chocolate. <laughs> How about the ability to make chocolate? That <laughs> would be even better. An island with chocolate trees on it, cocoa trees. All right. Uh, so, you know, we think in terms of, well, what makes me happy? And, 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 and I'm actually 
going to tell you what, what makes you happy today. And, and, and the reason for that is most people really don't know. And even if you did know, we forget it in the course of life. And the, 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 the issues of life, it causes us to lose track of what really makes us happy. So today, my goal, my intention is to remind us what really makes us happy. And maybe if, if you don't know, to, to just tell you outright. And if you think it's weird for me to have the uh, uh, arrogance or uh, audacity to stand up here and tell you what makes you happy, listen, every day you're bombarded with messages from people that have never met you, that don't know you, that you don't know, that are screaming, hey, if you buy this or if you do this, it'll make you happy. All right? They're trying to convince you that their product is going to make you happy. And, you know, too often we fall for it. Uh, even as Christians, if you're a Christian uh, or if you're not a Christian and you're just doing life, you have ideas that you think this is right, this is wrong, this is what makes me happy, this is what doesn't. We are all influenced significantly by media. And I'm not saying the media are the evil bad guys. They're just part of the package of human life. And our, our technology has given us the exposure to media on an unprecedented scale. And so continuously throughout the day, whether it's a billboard, a magazine, a book we're reading, a TV show, a radio program, something on the Internet, it's a constant uh, there's constant messages that if you buy this, if you get this, if you get upgrade to this, upgrade, right? I am so sick of upgrades. Because uh, I have like four or six, I have a lot of computers in my life. And I don't like any one of them. <laughs> but we need them, don't we? And so, you know, if there's a Windows update, I don't have a Windows update at once. Every stinking computer's got to do it. And they seem to like to do any of I'm just complaining about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, you can market temporary pleasure, but you cannot market happiness. All right. Temporary pleasure can be, you can buy something that will give you a moment of happiness or maybe a week or two. But let me tell you, that is not gonna, that's not going to long term. That's not real happiness. That's just a little pleasure. And so there's a big difference there. So happiness is found in a who, not in what. And I have to give uh, credit where credit's due. Andy Stanley is one of the best communicators. He's a pastor of a church in, in, in Georgia. And uh, he is a phenomenal communicator. And if you want to hear this message done better, listen to his teaching. And he's not talking about happy family. He's just talking about happiness. And they just did a, a great series at North Point Community Church. Just Google North Point Community Church or Andy Stanley. Or I think you can just do happy.org and it'll come up. <clears throat> great message. Everyone should listen to it, the whole series. So uh, a lot of what I'm taking is right from him. I'm stealing it. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving him credit, so I'm borrowing it. So it's, the, it's with the right who's, not the what's. You know, if we have the right who's in our life, the what's don't matter, okay? So whatever you have isn't as important as who you have to do it with. And think about this all the way through school. If you're a kid and you're in the backyard, if you had your friend over, it was a fun day. But if you just had to sit out in the backyard alone, that gets old really quick. It's funny, we have stuff in our backyard. All, all through, it's kind of getting old now. Our, all our kids are 
you know, with a trampoline, a tree house, built a tree house, and, you know, got used for a few days. And then, and then for years, the only time the kids would go up in the tree house is if a friend came over, right? And I thought, well, i got to spice it up. So we put a zip line, an 80-foot zip line. <clears throat> First time William went down that zip line, he turned around, his eyes were like that big. It was the funnest thing. A few weeks later, guys, use the zip line. Uh, but every time a friend came over, zip line, we got a zip, you got a zip line, wow. And they'd, <clears throat> they'd go out and play the zip line. Because things get old. But if you have the right who with you, it maintains that fun. Same thing in elementary school. Is elementary school fun or is elementary school horrible? It's usually determined by if you're with the right who's. If you get a few who's in your life, in, in, Emily, in Emily school, in elementary school, you can have a great time. But if you don't, if you're an outcast, you're going to have a hard, hard time. It's the most difficult time of life. Same thing with high school. Same thing with college. If you get in, if you get in your group, if you have a group, that adds value and significance and really happiness. And so maybe you're not doing the things that you like to do best, but you're doing them with the people you like, and that makes it happy. Happy is always associated with a who or two. All right? It's all, we just need to understand this. Because of an aging what, right? Like a cell phone, people get a cell Everybody's excited about the new st- Apple whatever. You know, Apple 4 was great. It's great. It's, oh, man, this is so fantastic. Uh, you know, six months later, oh, hey, they got a new one coming out. Really? Yeah, 4S. Oh, can't wait to 4S, right? And they get the 4S. Now it's a 5. Now it's a 6. Now it's a 6S. <clears throat> I got one. I don't like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to Android. So anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's a phone. I'm just like, it's a phone. I, I just got to figure out how to use it. <laughs> All right. So if an aging watch, so whatever you have, maybe it's a car, right? Some of us love a brand new car, but after a while, it's not new anymore. It's no fun anymore, right? We're not getting happy. To, if, 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 if what you have if that happiness that you get out of something is going to diminish with time, you know, that wasn't being happy. That was just being marketed to. And it's okay to have, it's nice to have a nice car. But don't confuse that with happiness. This is what's happened in our culture. Because happiness is actually really hard to obtain. But buying something to to obtain pleasure is really easy. And we want some instant gratification. And so it's easy. Now, what's important is that we don't say, well, that's evil. No. Getting a new cell phone is fun. Getting a new computer is fun. New car is fun. But it's not real happiness. This is a temporary pleasure, and it's going to break. I tell my kids, I'm like, everything breaks. You know? So if something breaks, I don't get upset about it. I was like, well, everything breaks. You know? I'm not vested in any, anything. Uh, but the who's, that's what's important. Um, an example of traveling. I travel quite a bit, uh, especially a few years ago. We took a, a kind of mini sabbatical and took a month down to Florida. And you know, spending the month of February in Florida, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, and we had a great time. But Kathy and I were surprised that uh, a couple of days we went down to Miami area and we spent the day with some friends. Two different. One day we spent with one friend. We stayed the night and we spent the next day with another couple that are dear to us. And we're driving back. We say, you know, that was the best time. The whole month, the best part about it 
was the days that we spent connecting with friends. All right? That adds value. Same thing with Europe. We just came back from England. You know, and it's great to look at an old building. If you've never been, uh, 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 traveled much, I encourage you to try to find a way to do that. And it's expensive and hard, but it, it is great. But, you know, you look at an old building and it's like, that's an old building. <laughs> and there's another one, and there's another one. And after a while, it's like, okay, I've seen that. But if you have someone with you, then it's, it's an experience. And that makes it joyful. We get to share in something. We get to talk about. We didn't just walk into St. Paul's Cathedral. We actually sat through a service. We could talk about the singing and, and the, the, just the atmosphere. And the who makes it happy. All right? It adds that. All right? Your happiness is limited by the happiness of those important to you because happiness is relational. All right, so if it's not about the what, it's about the who. That means real happiness is about relationships. It's relational. Uh, parents' happiness is almost uh, 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 guaranteed to be connected to their most unhappy children, child. All right? <laughs> you know, there's just no way around it. You can be happy, but if one of your kids is going through something, you hit a ceiling because you get that concern. Oh, oh this is really fun. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, my one kid's really struggling with this and how they're going to do it and what am I going to do? How can I help them? You know, uh, because why? Because you love them. All right. And that love then limits your happiness if they're unhappy. Why? Because happiness is relational. Uh, if you're if you're married, guess what? Your level of happiness is directly limited by your spouse is happy, because you can be happy, but then you encounter your unhappy spouse, and that has a limiting effect. <laughs> and so, you know, and this is where sometimes uh, marriages get into difficulty because one spouse is unhappy. That then that leads, and if you don't know how to handle that. It leads to the other spouse getting unhappy, and then there's this, this cycle that makes every each person unhappier and happier and unhappier. Now, there's a change, and this whole series is about how to implement things that will change that, so that you can be you can go from happy to happy, <laughs> all right? But understanding that happiness is relational changes how uh, if you if you get this, it'll change how you think, because we're all longing for happiness. And sometimes we think, oh, if my spouse was just better, then I'd be happy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying happiness is based on a relationship. So to make, uh, to get more happiness is to help your spouse and not fight with your spouse. Okay? To help, to help, to realize my happiness is dependent on their happiness. And therefore, I need to help them overcome whatever struggle they're struggling uh, so that we can be happy. All right? And not just go out and buy a new computer or car or whatever, you know, outfit, new pair of shoes. <laughs> All right. Ultimate fulfillment is innately tied with who, not what. So fulfillment is connected here because our happiness and fulfillment, the sense of being fulfilled brings us happiness. Happiness helps us feel fulfilled. There's a real connection there, whether it's our friends, whether it's our spouse, our children. <clears throat> now, here's another thing. I'm at the age of life where most people my age, after you say, hey, how's it going? Within seconds, sometimes I time it. 
they got their phone out and they're showing me pictures of their grandkids. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's great. I mean, literally, it's like, oh, and it was once the grandkid picture. A world famous preacher. We were in England. World famous guy. Okay. Within three sentences, he had his phone out and he was showing me pictures of his grandkids. Because <laughs> it didn't matter how many places he preached, or how many people he preached to, how many people got, you know, it's the success of his ministry, how many books he, he sold. You know what made him feel fulfilled, made him happy? Look at my kids, cutest little kid. No, no. You know, <laughs> yeah, your kid's cute. Yeah. <laughs> All right, at the end of life, people struggle with struggle. You know, when, when it's time and you know that you don't have long to live, you're in a nursing home or whatever, uh, sick and, and, and you're fearing death. Um, at the end of life, we struggle with relational, not possessional regrets. Very few, I don't think anybody wishes, you know, they're on their deathbed, I wish I could have bought that car, you know. You don't have to make, make peace with your motorcycle before you die. Right? Because we're always at peace with our motorcycles. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> right? It's those things that really get to the core uh, that make the difference. And what is it? It's usually a person or people in your life that you want to make peace with. You want to talk to them. So many times uh, you hear people, oh, if I could only speak to that person, if I could only speak, and someone dies suddenly and you go, oh, if I had just one more chance to talk with him or her, it would, make, it would mean so much to me. What does that mean? What does that tell us about ourselves? It tells us that relationships are, are what really make us happy. Uh, <clears throat> there we go. Okay, so some people uh, may be in this room or listening to this, and actually I've thought this about myself. Is that, you know what? You can say that if you want, preacher man. But I don't need anybody to be happy. I don't need anybody. Anybody ever hear somebody say that or said that yourself? I don't need anybody happy. There's two kinds of people that say that. Most of them are guys. <laughs> but it can really be anybody. But let's just unpack this, this idea for a minute. I think this is absolutely true. The two types of people that say that usually are people number one, is that they've always had so many people in their lives that they've never had a, a deficit of friendships. Like they don't even know what it means. And so they're saying they don't need people because they've never went through a season in their life where they didn't have people. Right? Maybe they were just naturally popular, uh, people associated with them. It's very easy in our world to have have companions, maybe not deep friends, but have companionship. And so you think you can just get by, but you're getting by because you're really living on a surplus. All right? He who is full, the proverb says, loathes honey. <clears throat> but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. And so if you have an abundance of something, it doesn't taste good. But if you're hungry, man, any relationship would make a difference. And so most often, if you hear yourself saying that, you need to realize that it's not reality, that you've never really experienced loneliness. And don't judge people that get depressed because they don't have friendships, because you don't know where they're coming from. Pe people get into a state 
where they can't connect, they can't relate with other people for whatever combination of reasons, and you think, what is their problem? Well, you just don't know. You need to, be, need to realize that you have such an abundance. It's like us in America. We have so much that we don't really understand what poverty is. We think we do. We think we struggle with bills, but it's because we have so much money. We have so much stuff uh, that, you know, our definition of, of, of financial hardship compared to someone living in Cambodia. I have a friend that actually is in Cambodia right now, and he says he couldn't believe it. Everybody, everybody throughout the streets just sleeps in hammocks because they don't have homes. And this is normal for them. You know, and so uh, our level of what we're used to kind of affects this. The second group of people is that you get the place where you, some people just can't fix their isolation issues. They can't seem to make um, genuine uh, relationship happen. And it's usually because of hurts in their hearts, pasts in their life, and they've tried and they've tried and they've been let down or people in their life have abused them, misused them. And so they get to the place where they can't fix their isolation issue and so they give up. If we can't get what we want, eventually we convince ourselves we don't really want it. We don't need that. But that's not true when it comes to relationships. It's not true when it comes to needing people to be happy. All right? it's, not only, it's not only is it not true, it's not healthy. Because you were not created. What God created the whole earth. Everything was good. He put man in it. He said, that's good. And he said, wait a minute. There's something that's not good here. He's alone. Adam owned everything in the world. And it wasn't good. Because he didn't have someone to enjoy those things with. Wow. We need the who. All right? Another reason why this is not good is because it, if you believe this idea that I don't need anybody to be happy, is that it actually positions you to rob other people of you. Because guess what? You're a who too. All right? And you may be someone else's who. That they need to be happy. And I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about relationships. They need you to call. But if you're like, I don't need anybody, then you're like saying, I don't. You know, you're putting up a wall. Or, or you get to a place where you totally give up and you get into a state of depression and, you, and it's all focused on you. But if you say, wait a minute, I have something other people need. And all of a sudden that makes you feel valuable and it helps you overcome that. So everyone needs someone. <clears throat> Isn't there a song about that? <clears throat> All right, I'm sure there is. So what makes you happy? Everybody say, no, no. thing. No thing. All right, well, something makes you happy, but it's not a thing. All right. Um, so let's just uh, get a scripture in here. And, and Jesus is talking about um, to a lawyer. And he says, then one of them, a lawyer, this is in Matthew, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All right? And so Jesus is interacting with a lawyer that is kind of trying to get him to sum up to tell them what is 
You know, what must we do or what must we not do to be right? Okay, how do you get this right? And this is how so many people approach Christianity. How can I be right? Is this right or wrong? And so the, the lawyer goes to Jesus and says, okay, what's, what's the most important law? What do we do or what do we don't do? Because that's how they interpret it. Uh-huh. And Jesus' answer was love. No, 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 no. What, what do I have to do? Or what, what I don't do? Love. Just love. Love's the most important. And so what he's saying here is that God's not really interested in a to-do list. Or a not-to-do list. All right? And the law, which is often misunderstood, is, is a list of behaviors that we do or don't do uh, because those behaviors affect our relationships. Okay? Uh, Paul clearly states this in Timothy. He says the end or the purpose of the law or the commandment is love. All right? So you don't strive to say a lawyer uh, wanting to know what's right and what's wrong gets, gets sidetracked on, on the to-do list. But Jesus is saying, listen, the to-do list will never work if you're not aiming for, if the purpose isn't love which is relationship, all right? Uh, and the, 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 the writers of the Declaration of Independence got this right. I mean, our society is based on this idea. Kind of a lot of people uh, are confused by it, but the right, to, uh, the pursuit, uh, right? We're guaranteed, every person, I mean, I can't remember the first line, but um, every individual is guaranteed the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's written in to the foundational documents of this nation, the idea that this nation is uh, built on. But we have to understand that, that happiness is not just the accumulation of things. Happiness, as Jesus communicates, is, and the most important thing in life, as Jesus communicates here, is love. It's relational. Right? Jesus tells us the starting point for that pursuit of happiness is getting your love on living a life that is defined by love making sure that what you do or what you don't do is determined by how it's going to affect the people in your life is it going to be better for them uh is it centered on them so let's talk turn this a little bit more to just being happy and a little bit more toward well how does this work in developing our family uh happy can never be separated from relationship and the most significant relationships, the most influential relationships in your life are your family. And I've talked to people from every imaginable family, background, history. I've talked to people that have never met their biological parents. Uh, and yet, that's usually the thing they're most focused on. It affects their lives, you know, regardless of how they were raised. Sometimes they're raised by great adoptive parents. Sometimes they're raised in the foster care system. Um, but all of that uh, is so powerful in influencing our ability to be happy. And it's actually built, we're built that way, right? Family are the hardest to love. And this seems contradictory, but let me, let me explain this to you. It is true, all right? So if you're driving 
down the street and you see somebody on the side of the road and you know that how you interact with them will only last a few minutes, maybe, you know, a few, or even a client you might interact with, you know, for the next uh, few weeks or months, or, or if you have somebody at work that you see X number of hours, you know you have an escape hatch, <laughs> right? So you can put up with their idiosyncrasies. You can relegate the parts of them that you don't like and still be happy with them because you know you can get away from them and eventually they'll just be gone. But family is a little different. I will always have a relationship with my father. He's been dead almost 20 years. I still have a relationship. He still affects me because he influenced me so significantly. And my siblings, even though we don't see each other, Frequently, they there's they're not going away. I can't just say, "Oh, you're no longer my sibling." You know, we're stuck together, and uh, it affects. You know, things come up, <clears throat> and so, uh, and then the more immediate the family, my spouse, my kids. You know, you're in their life all day, every day. I said, "Oh my God, I got to face this person every day for the rest of my life." Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and we've kind of we're in a good spot. We kind of figured out how to do this, and we like it. But there's been seasons, there were years where it wasn't pleasant, and it's like, oh God, <laughs> till death do us part. <laughs> how can we work that out? <laughs> Just being honest here, folks. Yeah. It is hard, but you see, if you go into life with the assumption that, oh, I'm going to marry somebody that's easy to love, and so that's, that's going to be easy, because at work it's hard, at school it's hard, but this is going to be easy. That's a setup, okay? Because then you get in and you think you failed in your marriage, because it's actually the hardest relationship to keep happy. And you go, what did I do? I must have made a mistake. No, you're encountering reality. Okay, because it takes a greater investment. Why? Because it produces a greater return. And so it requires more. Okay, it has the greatest potential to produce joy. So it therefore has the greatest potential to produce pain. Right? And therefore it takes the greatest investment of your time and energy. You actually have to change how you behave so that you can be happy with your spouse and your kids. And it's worth it because in the end result, doing it your way isn't going to produce, make you happy as much as learning how to live as a family so that we're all happy. Does that make sense? All right. And then... Uh, your family relationships shape every other relationship. Okay? So this is literally how we were created. Okay? So the, how tall you are, the color of your hair, almost everything about you biologically is determined by the, your genetics, which you got from your parents. Okay? And so that is a... That is a, that is a we're designed that way, and God is trying to teach us something. Say, listen, everything about you 
is shaped and influenced significantly. Now, there are other influences, but significantly, the raw material of everything in your life starts from your, your, your mom and dad and your siblings and your aunts and uncles and your grandparents. And that tells us family shapes us. And so it's so important. But today's message is, is really to emphasize the importance that it's the who's in our lives that make us happy. And it's our family that are the most important who's. And we have to understand that if we're seeking happy, a happy life and a happy family, we have to value them as individuals. And we have to realize, okay, this is going to take some work, but the reward for that investment and that work is worth it. All right. The Bible is a family story. It begins with a man, his wife, and his kids. Right? Think about this. this is a one-slide summary of the Bible. We're going to go fast. <clears throat> From the beginning, what happens within that family shapes everything that follows, doesn't it? That one little family interaction, that one little conversation between husband and his wife at the, in the orchard, boy. So when you're in the kitchen talking about dinner, careful. <laughs> and then their kids, you know, oh my word, talk about a dysfunctional family. First one, you did what? You killed your brother? Oh, right. And it shapes the rest of human history. So the, all of human history was shaped by a family interaction. So maybe that means your family interactions shape your life that's a that's a big message of the bible okay and it continues with the story of their descendants it's a story of a family <clears throat> jesus comes along in the new testament and offers adoption to every person man woman and child on planet earth regardless of their ethnicity back into that family because we're all descendants of one man and one woman we're all created by god the father <clears throat> And so he's invited and he makes a way where every one of us can come into this one grand family. And the Bible concludes with another family, a celebration of the marriage of the Lamb, the wedding ceremony of Jesus being united with his bride, which is the church, every man and woman and child that have accepted him as Lord and Savior, and how they live happily ever after. All right? It's really a family story. And God, listen, believe this, God wants your family to be happy. He does. He's committed to this 100%. But he also understands, and the Bible clearly communicates that this is not an easy task. All right? That it is uh, something that we have to, to labor toward and to believe God. The Bible's filled with examples of difficult family struggles, and God doesn't shy away from those struggles, doesn't shy away from the pain of those struggles. In fact, Jesus comes directly into the family story. God inserts himself into human history, but he doesn't insert himself into the perfect family. He actually comes that Mary was not yet married, and she was pregnant. So he was the pregnancy of a teenage, uh, unmarried uh, girl <laughs> in a culture that shamed that all right and jesus he said this is how i'm entering the human race wow he embraces all of what all of the different variables that make family difficult and good 
because uh, Joseph and Mary loved each other, and they got married, and they, they lived together, and uh, they lived their life, and, and we see it work out. <clears throat> Throughout his life, Jesus embraced the worst of humanity, eventually taking upon himself the sin of all mankind on the cross so that you and I could live free from sin, okay? Free from the consequences of our bad behavior and the consequences of the bad choices and bad behaviors of our family. So Jesus takes upon himself all of that pain, all of that sin on the cross to give us freedom. Why? Because he wants your family to be happy. And he was willing to go to the, the greatest extreme to make that happen. Through the power of forgiveness, happiness can be found. All right? Happiness can be found wherever you are. And wherever you are, maybe you're pretty happy. You can get happier. All right? You can have more. There's no end to the amount of joy and fulfillment that you can find through love when Jesus comes in and you experience the power of the cross. But we have to believe this. We have to believe that with God, nothing is impossible. It may seem out of reach, maybe for you or maybe for your loved one, but don't give up because God never gives up. Jesus conquered death to, dis- to demonstrate that he has that ability. All right? uh, and if, he, if we follow him, that resurrection power can begin to show up in our lives and in our families, and we can see the transformation in our lives or in the lives of the who's that we uh, that are important to us. So there's a few steps here, and this is the final slide. We're going to close with this. Um, a few steps. First one is don't expect everything to change in a day, okay? Because it takes time. God is committed to you, you and to your family long term. Whatever the situation of your family is, God wants you, in the end, to think of your family, whether it's a spouse, uh, whether it's parents. uh, Even if you've divorced and there's no hope for a relationship to be restored, God can come in and bring joy and happiness because of a healthy resolution. And He can restore broken relationships. That's what He's all about. But it's a long-term commitment, and He's committed to it long-term. I encourage you to come every Sunday this month because we're going to teach some great things to help you be happy in your family life. But right now, I want you to think of an area where you'd, you would appreciate more happiness. Maybe it's a broken relationship that needs to be restored in your life or someone close to you. Why don't you all stand? Um, really, and just try to think if there's something that's, that's a cap on your happiness that if, if that relationship changed, you could really experience more joy. You, you could be free. Or if that person got healed up, you know, maybe, maybe they need to change. Maybe you need to change. But my experience tells us, tells me that both people need to change. And so where do you get the power for that change? I'll tell you. That power comes to Jesus Christ. The power of the cross brings power for transformation. All right? And so let's go to God right now and take that situation. And again, maybe you've got a pretty happy family, things are going well, but, you know, I have people in my life that their family is just devastated because of poor choices. And so I can hold that up. So let's just hold that up in, in your mind's eye, in, in, your, in your heart. 
Father, we come to you with, with our brokenness. But we also come with faith and hope that you have the power to bring restoration and healing. Everyone in this room, please say, Lord Jesus, I give you myself. I give you my family. Please bring your resurrection power. I believe you want me happy. You want my family happy. I believe you have the power to make that happen. I surrender to you. And I receive from you forgiveness, joy.